Let's discuss more of the macro situation with Zed Francis joining us at the top of the show, the CIO at Convexitas. Zed, what's top of your mind here as we go into earnings season and the market suddenly finds a little appetite to buy? That is until around 10.30 this morning. Yeah, I, I think the most interesting to me ultimately is market positioning. So uh, we've, we've talked about it before, so I won't belabor it too much, but you know, active managers, folks that have true discretion within their portfolios in terms of how they allocate, just are incredibly light risk. They've been getting lighter and lighter and lighter all year long, both on gross and net positioning. Gross is just you know absolute value of your longs and shorts. Net is your longs minus your shorts. Everybody's just super light risk. And so I think the pain trade in the market is actually higher. And that's why we have these kind of violent one-off days where we rally you know two, three percent. Um, including that big reversal last Thursday. And to me, what kind of sets the table to build confidence in my view that the positioning is what it is, is when we have days where the market starts to rally quite significantly, those are days where volatility, the pricing in S&P 500 options actually goes up um, pretty consistently throughout the year. Uh, implied volatility of, of S&P 500 options, the actual ones you buy, the fixed strike, i.e. like right now, the you know, we'll call it the October 3700s. Um, those puts, when we went down, the implied volatility on those was kind of flat to falling a little bit. But what we've been seeing over the last handful of weeks is when the market goes up, the implied volatility of those options actually goes up. So that, that kind of tells me that where people are off sides is on a move higher. That's where you're getting the kind of panicked buying of options to protect their portfolio is a move higher, not necessarily a move lower, which That's I think probably most people think of in the back of their mind. <laughs> I think that resonates with quite a bit of the data that we've seen that shows uh, you know, there is this big kind of uh, uh, open interest spending on on puts. So uh, we, we talked to a few of our guests over the last few weeks that pointed out some of the big retail put buying activity. But um, what about does that apply if it goes down fast enough? Because then we have a situation on the way up where the people who sold the calls to the everyday guys who ended up being right then had to like buy back and we got these explosive vertical moves in meme stocks and stuff. Like, could that happen on the downside? So I'll, I'll, let me go back to what you said uh, to start this off that a decent amount of people are talking about a mixture of, you know, uh, put volumes and where a lot of the charts that people have sent me recently are like put premiums spent over the last handful of days. Yeah, that's one of them. Um, yeah, it, it, they're misleading, let's just say. So what's what's happened over the last handful of weeks is as we've moved lower, implied volatilities you know, are definitely up a bit, mostly rolling down the skew curve, but shorter day adoption implied volatilities have moved from kind of mid 20s to, to mid 30s, you know, at the end of September, right now kind of settling in at 32. So first off, if implied volatilities of the near the money options are higher, that just means you're spending more premium for the same amount of contracts. <laughs> so of course, you know, premium spend is higher. Okay, if, yeah. if, if things yep. cost more money, premium spends will be higher. Um, the sense. secondary effect of that is if the premiums are higher on options, people often adjust from buying options outright into buying spreads. So in the put example, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and buy a 3,600 put and I'm gonna sell a 3,400 put against it to go ahead and mitigate some of that premium spend. In all of the charts that you see, they're, they're taking absolute value. So the same purchaser of puts who is actually has a, a you know, 
less short position, you know, buying a spread versus an outright put is going to show up in those charts as like, oh, geez, there's twice as many puts, but they're just trading a put spread, which is, again, actually less of a de-risking position. And again, they're taking the absolute value of those premiums. So it's like two puts that the implied volatility is higher on both of them. You get this giant premium number. But the reality is if you're buying put spreads, that's less protection. That's less of a bearish view than buying outright puts. So a lot of those charts have a little bit of a misleading nature to them. <laughs> so as we, what do you look for then to try and figure out if some of the downside positioning uh, gets worked through? How do we know if there's enough offsides nature to sustain something like a summer move that we got? Because we've kind of got these two different types of bear market rallies. We've gotten the single day vicious moves where it clearly looks like after on CPI day, right? A perfect example of what you're saying. It clearly was a matter of positioning. When the number comes in, exactly the opposite of what you'd be rooting for, and the market goes the opposite way. Then there's like July through August, where there was more like a narrative that built, a Fed pivot, and a sustainable move. The positioning that you're saying that looks a little bit more comfortable and prepared for downside, does that lend itself to anything more than a couple days? Yeah, so for, for active managers, again, if, if they're just light on risk, and when there's a, a move that goes against them and either they're, you know, CRO or just they themselves say, oh, shoot, like, I need to protect myself in case a 10% rally happens and they, you know, use options to go ahead and protect themselves, that can stymie the rally out of the gate. But if it becomes sustained, that actually forces folks to actually change their core positioning, meaning no longer just, you know, buying you know, some calls to protect themselves for a continued rally. They'll actually go out and 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 rebalance their books. They'll go buy more of the things that they like to, to get themselves a, a greater exposure. So, you know, I, I think it's as simple as if we can actually get one of these rallies to sustain themselves for a couple of days and maybe be, you know, 1% every day rather than violent 3% moves. Because again, the options are really expensive. So if, if, if you buy those one month calls to protect your book and we just go up 1% every day for a week, you're probably losing money on those calls that those moves aren't big enough so nothing like you know your your protection to the upside losing money while you're also underweight so that that's what i would say is what turns us into a more of a a real uh you know four to six week rally to 4,4100, just picking random numbers out of a hat but it is if we can actually get a sustained multi-day more like one percent moves versus these kind of massive you know two three one-off percent moves that, that's where there's some actual pain because those calls don't protect your portfolio because we're just not moving enough every day. I see. So we haven't quite uh, met that description just yet. Uh, maybe if today, well, followed through yesterday, but right now we're uh, basically a little changed. What about when it comes to, to bonds? We're talking stocks here. I'm looking at your notes and you say that active managers in the bond space think their year is basically over. I mean, uh, <laughs> who's still living here if they weren't super short, uh, short duration or short bonds overall? Yeah, so you know, uh, we'll we'll call this me running around talking to a decent amount of uh, you know contacts that are on the sales trading desks, uh, you know, major banks, and and the how's your day calling all of your clients, and they say it's you know pretty miserable, <laughs> and the reason for that is people are in two camps. They're either long only managers, whether they're you know running a mutual fund, whether they're you know a pension fund allocator, an institutional you know long only allocator, and obviously they're not happy because their AUM has fallen. Maybe they've had solid performance relative to benchmark, 
But guess what? Everybody gets their bonuses paid on you know how many assets you're managing, and if you know your long bonds are down 20%, like your assets are probably done down. You probably didn't raise enough. So those those folks are unhappy because they know no matter what, they're not necessarily getting good bonuses, even if their performance is good. Because guess what? Firm AUM's down a ton. And then the other end, you have you know a handful of hedge fund managers that maybe knocked the cover off the ball. They had the positioning right. They had the global macro calls right. They're up 20, 30, 40% on the year. And they're saying, it's time to go home. <laughs> Let, let's go ahead and, and let this year clock in. We'll just go ahead and unwind all the active positions in our book. We'll just buy bills for the next two months and see in December, because they don't want to mess up a great year. So you really have an extreme dichotomy on the fixed income side of folks that are just pure long only managers that their AUM's down massively this year. So they just know it's not going to be a good year, uh, nothing they can do about it. And so they're looking forward for the calendar you know, to turn <laughs> to January or the guys that knocked the cover off the ball. And they're also saying, hey, there's no reason to screw up a great year. Let's go ahead and just uh, wait for the next battle on you know January 1st. Nobody's fighting for neutral right now. It's either you know you were, you were wrong or you were right on this massive rate move. Does that mean, the, are you implying the volatility in bonds could sl slow somewhat? The trading volumes could at least slow? Or does that just depend so on it, how the it next- tends, It tends to have two effects, right? Um, it, it tends to have slowed movement, like you're kind of seeing the last handful of days where tens, you know, we, we obviously had a period where tens were moving 10 basis points plus every single day, pretty dramatic. And it's slowed a lot over the last couple of weeks. So that's kind of step one. But then step two is, you know, if nobody's willing to, you know, play ball, if there actually is an event, there's no liquidity. And then you can have a massive movement. So you, you kind of end up in that situation where, you know, steady state is going to be much more boring than it has been recently. Expect a lot more inside of five basis point moves every single day. But if there actually is an event, no, nobody's there. So we can, you know, have massive moves. So I, I expect something different, I would say, than what we've seen here today to, versus the 10, 15 basis point move every day. Expect quiet unless there's an event. <laughs> okay. I appreciate it, Zed. Uh, good to get the update. like the color here on what you're hearing from uh, bond managers ready to throw in the towel or uh, head to the beach. I appreciate it. Uh, always good uh, on the vol stuff too. Thanks, Zed Francis, CIO at Convexitas.